Well, my name is Ryan Fultz. Some of you know me. Uh, I, I've been here for a long time. I'm the director of high school ministries here. And so I'm glad that I get to, uh, to open God's word together with you. So if you can open up your copy of the scriptures or whether you're using a phone or an iPad, turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Uh, I shared a little bit about a month ago when I got to preach last how much I'm grateful for, for this church and, uh, and for how God is working in our church. One of the things that I love is we love biblical theology. We love sound biblical teaching. We love talking about trusting God's word. We love talking about uh, the theology of, of salvation and, and, and how Christ is the only way to be saved. But have you ever met somebody who knows a lot about God, but you don't ever really see it translate into living differently? Have you ever known somebody who can have those crazy conversations about the Trinity and about the deep theological things, but when it comes to looking at their life, the only way you could tell that they're maybe a little different is they show up to church on Sunday? But if you were to meet them in their jobs or meet them in their schools, you would have a real question as to whether this person really believes the same gospel that you say you do. What I love about our church is though we care about theology, we recognize that theology changes how we live. That what we think and what we know about God actually motivates us to live differently. I make decisions in my life based on what I think about the Lord. And I love that about our church. We don't just want to build up a knowledge base in God's word. We want to see your lives transformed into vessels of ministry, into people that go into our communities, that go into our schools, that go into the different places of employment and make a difference because you believe the things of God but you live differently because of them. So this is why we would do a series called Live Out Loud. This, this series is all about taking theology and making it practical. Taking what we know about God and showing all of us what it looks like to live differently. We do a disservice to the gospel and to Jesus Christ if all we do is hunker down in our own little Christian bubble. Never interacting with the people of the world. Never interacting with those who don't know Christ. I believe, and our church believes, that the sovereignty of God partners with our responsibility in taking the gospel to everyone. Both to the nations... And to our local communities. So I believe that this calls us to pray regularly. To live intentionally. And to speak faithfully as we try to live out loud. So let's go ahead and read our text for today. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. I'll read it. Then I'll pray And then we can get to work. Paul says this in verse 2 of chapter 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it 
with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for your word and the truth that it brings. God, thank you that it not only informs and changes how we think, but that through changing how we think, Lord, you change how we live. As your spirit works in us, we look differently. So Lord, this morning, would you expose our hearts? Would you show us ways that we have been unfaithful to the gospel and to you? But God, would you also encourage us and remind us that what you've called us to is not all that complicated. That it is simple. It's hard work, but it's simple. And Lord, would you help us to live out loud in such a way where you change our communities, where you change our schools, and where you change our relationships by the grace of the gospel. Jesus, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Uh, Colossians 4 is really Paul's parting instructions in this letter. Uh, he has laid a, a brilliant foundation, and I shared a little bit of this uh, last month because I was preaching out of Colossians 3. But he, he laid a brilliant foundation in, in chapters 1 and 2 of, uh, of Christ. Of the preeminence of Christ and what it looks like to be made alive together in Christ through the gospel. And then in chapter 3, uh, Paul gets really and intensely practical when he talks about putting off and putting on as we seek to grow and change to look more like Christ. And then that brings us really to chapter 4 where Paul is wrapping everything up. And kind of the later part of this chapter, he's doing greetings, he's sending greetings and all of these things. But in our section today, Paul is giving his last marching orders, his last instructions to the Colossians. And what I want to do today is I want to draw your attention to really three instructions that I think we see here from Paul. If we really want to be a church that lives out loud, that takes our theology seriously enough that it will infiltrate and influence our practices, then I think we can see three instructions from Paul that are that would radically change how we do life and ministry radically change how we live every day so in this text I want to draw you to three things let's just let's just get to work number one I think and I think Paul shows us that if we are going to live out loud and if we're going to remove the confusion and complication from sharing the gospel we need to first be a people that pray regularly. That pray regularly. And I'm going to unpack this in just a moment. But we need to be a praying church. Now I'm so glad that's where Brad landed last week. That was part of his, uh, his instruction to us on the sovereignty of God. That it does not remove from us the responsibility to pray. But right here I want to show you Paul is instruct instructing the church of Colossae. And then us as well. 
that we must pray. He gives a few characteristics that I particularly want to draw your attention to. First, he says, steadfast prayer. Or some of your uh, translations may say, continue in earnest prayer. This word, kind of in the original languages, doesn't communicate just ongoing, but it communicates a prayer with intense effort, with hard work, with consistency. It's as if Paul is saying to the church of Colossae and to us as well, don't give up in praying. Keep keep praying, never stop, always make time. You need it, God works through it. So verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. I really am very grateful that this is where Brad landed this past week. That he kind of reminded us we have to be a praying church. That it's a vital discipline in our lives. And honestly, I could have skipped this. I could have just said, you know what, Brad talked about praying. So as we talk about removing the complications of living out loud, we can just move on. But I couldn't do that. Because when I think about living out loud, removing the complications, showing that the gospel and our work in sharing the gospel isn't really that complicated, the starting point is prayer. The starting point is steadfast prayer. See, Paul's mentality was very simple. Give me more opportunities to talk about Jesus. That's how he lived. That's what he wanted. If you look in your scriptures, where does it actually say he is as he's penning this letter? He's in prison. He's in prison for sharing the gospel, for talking about Christ. Yet he has the courage to write this church and say, keep praying that I would have more opportunities for the gospel. Oh, that we would live like Paul. In this way. Now many people take this prayer and apply it to missions. Because after all, Paul is one of the greatest missionaries known to mankind. And honestly, they're right. We should be praying for gospel ministry all over the world. As a local church, we better be praying for doors for the gospel to be opened in Albania in Romania, in the Czech Republic, in Southeast Asia, and wherever PG-6 ends up landing. We must be praying for opportunities for the gospel. But honestly, this prayer is not just simply for missionaries. On foreign soil, somewhere far away from here. You, everyone look at me. You are a part of God's plan to call people to himself. You are a part of God's plan, God's mission in calling people to life in Christ. Ask him. Ask him. Steadfastly ask him to work. As you've already heard me even start to talk about the second quality of our prayer is that we should be praying specifically for opportunities for the gospel. 
Growing up, I was really, really good at the, fl- the flare prayer idea. I could pray when I was concerned. I could pray when I was worried. I could pray when I really wanted something to happen. But I promise you, my life was not characterized by steadfast, specific prayer. But over the last few years, God has impressed upon me, first of all, that I can't do anything on my own. And second of all, that he delights to work through our prayers. So I've, I've begun praying much more specifically than I ever have before in my life. How would your life, let me ask you this question, how would your life look different if every morning as you read God's word, assuming you read God's word, and, and you prayed, what if you asked God, to open doors for you to talk about Christ that day? What if you say, God, give me one chance today, one opportunity to talk about Jesus with somebody that you don't know, that, I, that doesn't know you, excuse me. Or, or maybe we make it more specific. Maybe there's somebody in your work or in your school or even in your own home that you're burdened to share the gospel with. What if you prayed, God, give me one opportunity today to talk to them about Christ. I tell you what, our radars would be up, wouldn't they? We would be ready. We'd be, we'd be expecting God to give us that opportunity. We'd be living out loud, on mission, together for our community. Brad's outline at the end of last week, he had, a, had some homework for us. He had some lines where we could fill in people that we know we need to pray for and that we wanted to come before the Lord that they might be saved. Have you taken him up on that homework? Have you actually gone home, sat down before the Lord and said, God, who should fill up this list? I have a specific spot in my prayer journal for people who do not know Jesus. And by name, I pray for them. By name, I pray that if I'm not around them, that God would bring somebody to talk to them about Jesus. But I also pray for people that I'm around regularly, and I pray that God would give me opportunities to share the gospel. Paul is communicating to the church in Colossae and then then to us as well that we must devote ourselves to prayer. The lack of prayer in our lives communicates a failure to depend on God. When I get up and when I show up at the office and I open up my computer and I dive into emails without ever spending time asking the Lord to help me today, I am communicating, I got this. I mean, God, I know you're in control and all, but I, I got this. I, I'm okay. But we are fully dependent on God. Every breath that we take is a gift from God. Pray regularly for gospel opportunities. We don't pray because we don't think we need God. We don't pray because sometimes we think he won't care. We don't pray 
Because honestly, sometimes we don't care. Me as well. But we live in a world full of lost people. We live in a world full of people who do not know Christ. And if you call yourself a Christian and you love people, you will pray for doors of gospel ministry to be opened. Friends, pray both steadfastly and pray specifically. This is the first instruction we can see in Paul's letter in, in chapter 4 specifically. So this week, I just want to ask you to ask yourself. Spend some time with the Lord. Do I pray expecting God to give me opportunities to talk about Christ? Do you? So not only should we pray though. This is the first piece. This is incredibly important. Not only should we pray... But the second instruction I want to show you here from Colossians chapter 4 is that we also must live intentionally. Live intentionally. Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom. Make the best use of the time. What in the world does Paul mean by this? Well, Paul was challenging this local church and all Christians through, the, through all history to develop a clear, Christ-exalting testimony to non-Christians. He was calling them to live in such a way where Christ can be clearly seen in their life. Live intentionally. And this really, honestly, is not done by accident. It's done as we commune with the Lord and work to put on specific characteristics of our Lord and Savior. Let me just be real honest with you. I think you guys know this. Wherever you are, people are watching you. I don't mean in that kind of creepy horror film kind of watching you. But people are watching you. They're watching you as you work. They're watching you as you go to school. They're watching you as you go to the grocery store. They're watching you as you interact with your family and your friends. You are always putting on a display. But is it like Christ or not? If you claim to be a Christian, and especially if the people you're interacting with know it, which they should, they aren't simply developing ideas about your character and who you are. But they are actually drawing conclusions about the nature and character of the God you serve. As they watch you, they're developing their own ideas about the God you serve. Think about that. They're watching. I've had conversations with people 
who have been around Christians who I can honestly say were doing very little to look like Christ. The Spirit was not working in them the way I would think it would in a, in a Christian. And I've had to work with some people, non-Christians, to show them that's, that's not actually how a Christian is called to live. I've I worked uh, at the Marriott, actually, ever since I came back for college. I grew up in Europe, so when I, when I landed here in 2005, I, uh, I, I, my first job was to work at a Marriott. And do you know, church groups were the most feared groups of all people? We would look ahead at the week or the month and see what's coming. And I'd be standing next to my employers, not my employers, my, uh, my peers, my coworkers, and they would say, oh, another church group. That should break our hearts. They didn't say, oh, another church group because we're going to be treated so kindly. It was, oh, another church group because most likely we'll be treated very poorly. They'll demand things of us. They'll snap their fingers at us. And then they'll stand up and sing songs about this God. We are called to live differently. We are called to put Christ on display everywhere we go. Is it okay with God for you to slack off at work? Is God okay with you cheating on a test at school or gossiping about your teacher with your classmates? Is God okay with you putting down your friends or using them to get what you want? Is God okay with you walking all over your family as you pursue your own idolatry? This does not honor the Lord. And it is not a faithful gospel witness in our community. We are Christ's ambassadors, as 2 Corinthians 5 would remind us. We know we aren't perfect. But Christian, let me beg you to live differently. If you have Christ within you and you know all that you've been forgiven, you have every motivation to live differently today. I love how uh, Orlando Sayer describes this in his book, Big God. He says it like this. Our instinct is to take the spotlight off our lives. After all, we're understandably embarrassed about the hypocrisy that will be on show. In fact, many of us put a high value on our privacy. We'd rather keep people at arm's length. But God's approach is different. Work at your lives. Work at your godliness. Work at speaking and behaving in such a way that those around you want what you've got. Because they will listen to what you say. Now, I don't believe... He's saying we have to earn the right to speak about the gospel. But God can and does use the lives of Christians to draw people to himself. He can and does use how you live, what you look like, how you come across to non-believers to draw people to himself. 
We must live intentionally. I remember, this is another Marriott story. I remember uh, we would get a couple of those, you know, short breaks, those 15-minute breaks a day where, you know, everybody would go outside and the smokers would smoke and the non-smokers would kind of stand just a little bit further away trying to have conversation, but you know how that goes. Um, In fact, I once called a smoke break (laughs) just so we could go outside. Never mind. Um, But I remember, I remember this one specific time where we were talking and it's not uncommon, in fact, it's very common for men to spend most of their time talking poorly about their wives or their girlfriends. Just complaining, just talking badly, honestly saying very mean things. And I learned this pretty quickly that this is, this is the culture I'm in right now. And so I decided, by the grace of God, I'm going to do whatever I can to speak well of my wife while I'm around them. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to say great things about my wife. I'm going to talk about the awesome meals that she's making. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the ways she's a blessing to my life. I'm going to talk about how I wouldn't want any other woman than my wife, Tabitha. I purposed to look different. And I remember one time we were outside on one of these breaks when the same conversation was happening. And one, one, of, the, one of my coworkers just looked at me. He said, Ryan, why don't you talk badly about your wife? <laughs> that was a golden opportunity to share with him. I don't talk badly of my wife because I love Jesus And because I'm grateful for the wife that I have. But I got that opportunity to talk specifically about that because by God's grace, I had intentioned specifically to live differently. That I wasn't going to be drawn into those things that don't honor the Lord. Now, I'm not perfect. And my wife is not perfect. But by God's grace, I was able to live intentionally. And that's a great way to live out loud. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 is a great short verse that you can tuck away in your pocket if you're looking for help thinking through living for the glory of God. It's really simple. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So you can ask yourself, would this action please the Lord? Would this word that I'm going to speak please the Lord? Am I making every effort to please him? Friends, you can be an instrument in the Lord's hands if you would live intentionally for the gospel. If you would pray regularly, live intentionally, I believe God can use us in our communities to call people to himself. Ask the Lord this week, where in my life Am I simply going along with the flow rather than living intentionally for the gospel? Ask yourself that this week. So we must pray regularly. We must live intentionally. But also, friends, we must speak. 
faithfully. This is the one that many of us struggle with most. We're okay getting into our little prayer closet, talking to the Lord, asking him to save. We're okay living for the gospel, doing things that honor the Lord. But then when it comes to the time where we actually need to use our mouths, we often bail. We get scared. But all over this text, I think I see Paul honestly communicating to the church in Colossae and to us that we are to be a people that speak. Verse 3, he's asking for prayer that he might declare the mystery of Christ. Verse 4, he wants to make it clear because that's how he's supposed to speak. And verse 6 is he wants them to be ready to answer people. All of those Phrases, those words communicate that we are to use words to talk about Christ. We cannot get away from it. Our mission is to declare the mystery of Christ with those who do not know it. Not just my mission as somebody on staff at a local church. Not just a missionary's mission as he goes to another culture. But it's your mission You are a part of the great commission in this community. And we must speak. Now some of you are probably thinking, Ryan, that's that's easier said than done. And And I understand that. I understand there are a number of things that get in the way of us being able to speak. But I really don't think it's as complicated as we make it. We don't need to earn the right to talk about the gospel We don't have to have a relationship that's lasted for seven and a half years before we finally bring up Christ to somebody. But I think we can see a couple of quick things that should flavor our speech, that should influence how we talk right here from Paul. So if we want to live out loud, I think first we must be bold and not fearful. Bold and not fearful. In verse 3, I'm going to just talk about this again briefly. Paul is in prison, friends. He's in prison for sharing the gospel, and he wants to keep doing it. That's crazy. But that's someone who's fully sold out on the mission of Christ. This is someone who's so deeply experienced the riches of Christ that he's willing to say, I'm in prison But I want more opportunities to talk about my Savior. Whether I'm here or outside, I really don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. We must be bold. Friends, I know in our country the tides seem to be changing. It's becoming less popular to talk about Christ. I get that. But that does not relieve us from the mission we are called to. Just because it's harder doesn't mean we toss it. God is calling us to be bold, not fearful. So what would boldness look like for you this week? I can't tell you what boldness looks like as far as every single person. But maybe it's simple as when somebody asks you about how your weekend was, you tell them, it was great and I loved getting to go to church and worship with my church family this week. 
Just drop it in there. Maybe it's as simple as starting it like that. Maybe boldness looks like you as a student, as you're in class, standing up for something that you believe in, in spite of the rest of your peers not agreeing with you. Maybe that's what it looks like this week. Maybe it's you going out of your way to talk with somebody and just ask them, hey, how can I pray for you this week? I'd love to pray for you this week. Or maybe it is sharing the gospel, talking about sin and the cross and the hope that is found in Jesus with somebody. What's boldness going to look like in your life this week? We're also not simply just supposed to be bold, but we're supposed to communicate with clarity and not be confusing. Verse 4 says, uh, Paul is talking about the mystery of Christ, and he says that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, it's not just simple as speak clearly. This kind of communicates the revealing of a mystery, the peeling back of layers or walls that might hinder it from being understood. Uh, Our youngest uh, son, Josiah, was, was like five months around Christmas time. Uh, had complete inability to open a present at Christmas time. Uh, he could ha- kind of hold a box and kind of like gnaw on the edges, but he couldn't open the present, right? So I enlisted the help of my other kids. They were happy to open some extra presents, right? Until they realized they weren't for them. But this is kind of how I see this picture as somebody who can't get to the mystery inside. We peel back the layers. We speak clearly in such a way that they can understand. Friends, do you actually spend time thinking about the gospel and explaining it simply to people? Practice explaining the gospel to kids. It's a great way to start. If you can explain the gospel to kids, you can explain it to anybody. But my fear is actually, we don't know how to explain the gospel. We sure don't know how to remove the churchy words that add to the confusion. Spend some time thinking about this week. If you don't know how to write the gospel in maybe a paragraph or have a simple conversation with a friend about the gospel, then you you need to study a little bit. Work a little bit. Pick up a track that helps you think through it. We've got some great ones in the resource center. I actually have the one in the resource center on my iPad. So if I'm sitting with somebody, not because I can't just use words, but sometimes the pictures help unveil some things. Speak clearly. But also, not only are we to be bold, not only are we to speak clearly, but we're also to speak graciously, not obnoxiously. We need to be gracious and not obnoxious. Verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. All of our speech, whether we're talking about Jesus specifically or just talking, must be gracious and seasoned with salt. What, is it, what does it look like to be gracious? Well, here's, here's my concern. I think we have lots of people who are loaded with head knowledge. And in fact, lots of people that think they've attained the gospel on their own efforts. 
So when they talk with somebody about the gospel, it's really, you're an idiot until you understand this. If you would just be as smart as I am, you would get it. And we forget that the only way we understand the gospel is because God has moved on our spirit to help us see clearly. We can treat people graciously. We can beg them to come to the cross. We can offer that rest and that hope that's in Christ. There's other people who, they love to spend time talking about other people's sin and rarely get to the Savior, right? You know those people who always want to point, always want to show you your sin or where you're wrong here or uh, all of these things that make you unworthy of God but never take you to the cross? Friends, we've got a better message than morality. The gospel calls people to lay their lives down in front of it, the cross because Jesus saves. Ephesians 2 is the, 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 the passage that comes to mind where Christ says, for grace you've been saved through faith. And not, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can what? No one can boast. Friends, we need to be more cross-centered than cause-centered. Yes, we need to be loving the unborn and be against abortion. Yes, we need to be praying for the end of sexual slavery and doing what we can in our realm of responsibility. But friends, most importantly, we need to be talking about Christ in a way that honors him doesn't slander him in the process. Let's be gracious. Let's be loving. Let's be seasoned with salt. We must speak. There's no way around it. We must be bold. It should be clear. And we should be gracious. But we must speak. A friend showed me this quote as I was doing my preparation over the past few weeks, and I thought it was both timely and actually pretty convicting. It's by a, a man named Bishop John Jewell Salisbury, wrote in the 1500s, and he said it like this. He said, if any man be a dumb Christian, now he's talking about not being able to speak, he's not calling people dumb. If any man be a dumb Christian, not professing his faith openly, but cloaking and coloring himself for fear of danger in time to come, he giveth man occasion justly and with good conscience to doubt lest he have not the grace of the Holy Ghost within him because he is tongue-tied and he doth not speak. Friends, if we only hide, if we never speak, I must ask you whether you really know the same Jesus that I see in Scripture. Jesus didn't call people to just live and let God take care of the rest. Jesus called people to pray and to live and to speak. And I pray that our church will take up that call. In our jobs, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, wherever you are, take the gospel there. Wherever you are, take Christ there. 
So I really, at the end of the day, don't think this is very complicated. We must pray steadfastly and specifically. We must live intentionally. And we must, we must speak. So why in the world would we take a Sunday to talk about these things here at Grace Fellowship Church? Why do we care so much that we be a light in our community and live out loud? Well, first, it honors the Lord. When you have been redeemed, you're redeemed to a mission. You're not redeemed to comfort or saved for comfort. You're saved to be on mission with Christ. Honor the Lord. But I think the second reason is the one we forget about. It's because we are called to love people, friends. Christian in the room, have you forgotten the grace of God in your own life? Has it become something you just talk about but doesn't change what you do or how you live? Have you forgotten that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that that was you once? God didn't save you because you were smarter. He sure didn't save you because he needed you on his team. It was by grace you've been saved. Friends, live out loud. Pray regularly, live intentionally, and speak faithfully so that others might come to know Christ. When you look around wherever you live, please see people. See people in need of a Savior. Now some of you in here know that you're not a Christian. You would say, I don't have a personal relationship with Christ. Well, I want you to hear and to know that Christ offers you salvation. He offers you rest. You don't have to keep running trying to be good on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't. The scriptures are clear. But Christ offers you rest through the message of Jesus Christ. That if you would repent and seek forgiveness and trust that what Jesus did on the cross was on your behalf, that you could be saved. That you can have eternity with God. That's for you today. Before we close in song, I want to give all of us a chance to speak to the Lord in the quiet of our heart. There's no amount of brokenness, hurt, or pain that Christ can't deal with and that he hasn't redeemed at the cross. So if you're not a Christian, he's calling you today. Come, find rest and salvation. But if you are a Christian, I want you to use this time to remember what Christ has done for you. We should not move on from here unmoved by the gospel, by the message of Jesus on our behalf. Use this time to interact with the Lord, to pray for those in your life who don't know Christ. Bow your heads with me and cry out to the Lord.